So this is uh, Preacher's Month at New Life. Uh, every August, we have kind of designated this to be a time when people from within the church uh, are given an opportunity to preach. Uh, which, is a, which has turned out to be a great blessing to the church and to them. It's given me time to kind of step back and hear the word from a different perspective uh, and to be thinking about what's going to happen in September. Uh, so today we are fortunate to have one of our own, uh, Pastor Wayne Zanke, will be sharing the word. Uh, most of you know our brother fairly well. Uh, let me just mention a few things. Joanna, God bless you back there, uh, the other half. Good to see you. Um, but I, I was sharing earlier that I came to the church about 13 years ago. And at that time, Wayne was struggling with various things. And um, shortly after that, he totally yielded to the, to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit. And we've seen Wayne grow into a great man of God during these last 12, 13 years or so. He's now the pastor of the Cafe Ministry, which meets at the Common Ground Ministry every Sunday morning at 9. That's why he's not here at 9. Um, today, Pastor Bill, I think, took care of that. Uh, he's a, a longtime board member. Uh, he's the secretary of the board, takes good minutes, although I have to transcribe them to my wife so she could type them. Only kidding. <laughs> but anyway, Wayne has been a faithful brother. Joanne has been a faithful wife to Wayne. Please give him a warm welcome as he comes to share the word of God this morning. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, everybody. Where's Pastor Bill? Thank you for covering at the cafe. What a great ministry that is down there, helping the people who are, a lot of them are homeless and struggling with drugs and in a lot of need. Just like in here, there's a lot of needs, different needs, but still needs anyway. We need a Savior. Amen? I don't care if you're down the cafe, if you're here, if you're living... Uh, Raleigh, Mass, and you have a fancy $1 million home, or if you live in uh, Section 8 housing in Haverhill or Lawrence, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Doesn't matter where you live or who you are or what you do. Pastor Rick needs the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I do. The President does. The Pope does. We all do. Amen? I mentioned the first service. This reminded me of something Pastor mentioned 13 years ago. My life wasn't what it is today. And 13 years ago, I was behind glass like this, and there was a telephone right here. And I wore this orange jumpsuit, and my wife was on the other side of the glass talking to the telephone on the other side of the glass. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I was in Middleton Prison. So this brings back that memory, but thank God I'm saved today. And God's reminding me with this glass what he's taken me out of. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Lately, we've had sermons about prayer. We need prayer. I need prayer. It's been showing me how much more prayer I need and how I need to get more involved in my personal prayer life with God. I thank the Lord for sharing that with Pastor Rick and Pastor Bill and Bill Unger. And, and uh, we're going to continue on that today, but in a different aspect of prayer. Um, we're also going to talk about the peace of God today. But um, we need prayer. Amen? We all need prayer. And we all need the peace of God. Amen? So, Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you for allowing to 
have faith in me to stand up here. I don't take it lightly. Uh, we'll be judged more strictly those who preach the word, and it's, that's scary. But Lord, I ask you to speak through me, so it's not me talking, that it's you. You use my lips, my eyes, my hands, my feet. Let you be the one who speaks today. And may your word not come back void. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. 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 Good morning again. So many Christians sitting around in churches or at home um, don't have peace. I know it because I teach in a healing class. I know it because I used to sit in these pews without peace. I sat here for years thinking I could get God's peace just by coming to church. It didn't work. And uh, there might be many of you at home There might be many out there in the world, and I know there is many in the world that don't have peace. I work with them every day, and uh, I see the struggles they go through, and it breaks my heart that they don't have the peace of God that he's freely given me, and uh, he's freely given all of you that peace. But there are some people that, one reason or another, need God's peace. And it might be you sitting here right now. I don't know. I'm not God. Only he knows and you know. But uh, first of all, I want to say God's peace is supernatural. Again, it's supernatural peace. You cannot get it by sitting here at church. I tried that for years. It doesn't come that way. You can't get it by going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I've tried that. That's worldly peace. If you can get it at all. You can't get it from medications. You can't get it from fishing or hiking in the woods, or working in your garden. You can't get God's peace. You can get temporary worldly peace and get calm, but you can't receive God's peace by doing those things. God's peace is supernatural. Yes, some people need medications. I do. I'm not saying don't take medications, and I'm not preaching that at all. But if you really want the peace of God, it's not going to come through a medication. It comes through Jesus Christ comes through the blood of Jesus Christ, and no other way can you receive the peace of God. Amen? Amen. By applying God's word, when we come here on Sunday and pastor or whoever's preaching gives a word, and we start applying that word to our life during the week, applying it to our life during the week, then we can start receiving God's peace because we start turning ourselves and becoming Christ-like. That's what Christian means, to be Christ-like. And we can't be Christ-like unless we're applying Christ's word to our lives. A lot of Christians don't have peace with themselves or with God. I know that because I was one of them. And I can recognize it in others because they say if you spot it, you got it. And I got it. I had a lot of things. So I can spot a lot of things. I can spy the drug addict usually a mile away because, unfortunately, I was one. Stress, finances, health issues, family problems, marriage problems, kid problems, work problems, death of a loved one, need a place to stay, landlord wants me out, whatever it may be, God wants to give you peace. Peace that the world cannot give you. Peace that man cannot give you. Peace that Pastor Rick can't give you. He can guide you to who can give you peace. And he's always going to guide you to Jesus. 
because he doesn't have that peace that you're looking for. Pastor Bill doesn't. I don't. Only Jesus has the peace that you're looking for. The doctors don't. The watering hole doesn't. Those are called band-aids. I want peace. I want to be healed. Amen? Do you want to be healed? Do you want God's peace? Okay. You know, all these, all these things, the stresses, the finances, the family problems, the marriage problems, the home problems, they can take away or attack any peace that you may have. And, and I know because I've lived it, and, and I know some of you are living that right now. Your peace is being attacked. If this is you, then you're fully aware that by just coming to church alone is not going to make these things go away. It's not going to give you peace. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He supernaturally, supernaturally took all of our stresses, our sins, our worries, our diseases, our hurts, our pains on the cross with him, and they died with him on that cross. I'm going to say it again. 2,000 years ago, Jesus took all your sins, your pains, your hurts, your worries, your diseases, your pains on the cross so that you could have what? Peace. Peace. Peace with yourselves, but more importantly, peace with God. That's what he wants to give you. That's what he wants to make available to you. That's what is available to you. Because the one who gives you peace is living inside of you. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, we talked about, Stacy was singing a song and she said, for a moment, the, 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 it was the sun, the light stopped shining in one of the songs. I don't know exactly how it went, but, you know, that lines up with what I'm going to say now. Because when Jesus was on the cross, in my opinion, this is my opinion, it's not in the Bible, but if you think about it, it makes sense. When he was on the cross, he took all our sins, all our pains, all our hurts, and he took them on the cross with him. And then he looked up and he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? God had to turn his back on him and look the other way. So for a moment, for a split second, for a few minutes, however long it was, Jesus could not experience that peace. Why have you turned away from me? God can't look at sin. God had to turn his back on it just for a moment. And Jesus was without peace. Why are you forsaking me? He couldn't feel the peace. But when he gave it all to God, when he gave his life, that peace came back right away. Does that make sense? It, it did to me when I read this, you know, because Jesus is 100% human, and he's 100% God. So that human part of him was missing that peace just for that split second. So he knows what you're going through, because he's been through everything that we've been through. So we can't say that Jesus doesn't understand what being without peace is. Because he does. Because the Bible says no matter what you've gone through, he's been through it. Amen? So he has experienced that no peace just for a few moments. He had to carry all our sins with him to that cross. God had to look the other way because our sins were on him. 
So if Jesus, who had all our sins with him on the cross, and all our worries, if he hadn't, did not have peace with God the Father for that split second, how can we expect to have peace with God if we're not willing to nail all our worries to the cross to experience God's peace? It's impossible. We need to do the same. He's given us an example. Bring it to the cross, and you'll get God's peace. It's supernatural. Again, the doctors can't give it to you. The psychiatrist can't give it to you. The watering hole can't give it to you. The drugs can't give it to you. The pornography can't give it to you. Only Jesus Christ can give you the peace of God. You know, three days later, Jesus was supernaturally raised from the dead. Supernatural, just like his peace in you. It's supernatural. Man can't describe it. Man can't make it. Man can't form it. Man can't do anything about it. It only comes through God. You know, Jesus then said in John 14, 27, if you want to turn there, James has it up on the board. Thank you, James, for doing such an awesome job. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world does. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, he says. His peace. Not the psychiatrist's peace. Not the psychologist's peace. Not the prescription drug's peace. But his peace. I don't give to you as the world gives. Those are the things the world gives. The medications. The doctors. The drugs. The sex. The pornography on the, on the internet. That's not peace. That can't give you anything that God can give you. It's supernatural. You know, all I've been hearing from a lot of Christians, which is rightly so, is, oh, the end of the earth is near. This is my opinion. But I'm hearing, oh, the end of the earth, because we're going through this. Have God's peace. If you get Christ in you and you get God's peace, who cares if the world's going to end tomorrow or another thousand years? Who cares? Why are we focused on that stuff? Because if you are, you don't have God's peace. I'll tell you that right now. You know, in the way I read the Bible... A lot of prophecies haven't come true yet. And the way I'm, the, what I'm reading is God's judgment is on America. That's what I'm reading. That's, that's just my opinion. We have abortions that are going out of crazy. Drugs are now legal. They want to legalize prostitution in Massachusetts now. Anything goes. Homosexuality, preaching... Anything goes. You can be a man today, a woman tomorrow. God's taking his hand off this country, and his judgment is on it. Because in 2 Corinthians 7.14, it says, My people who will call my, by my name, if they'll humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. And a couple paragraphs before that I was reading recently says, Isn't it me, the Lord, that gives you plagues? Isn't it me, the Lord, that gives you um, famines? 
And it doesn't say that's a sign of the ends of the times. It says, I'm judging you. But God wants to supernaturally change what's happening through prayer. He wants to give us his peace in the middle of all these things, no matter what's happening, whether it's his judgment or whether it's the end of times. He wants you to have peace. He doesn't want you to focus on these things. It doesn't matter which one is right and which one's wrong. Don't focus on that. Focus on God's peace. Don't be afraid, he said. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm working in a 14-story children's hospital in Boston. The building needs to be built. They stopped it for three months like they did everything else, and these kids need a hospital. And I'm on the fourth floor, and up on the top floor is a couple of the guys got the virus. And uh, everyone's, oh, I said, I'm down here. I'm not even anywhere near these people. What are you worried for? I get the peace of Christ in me. Amen? I'm not working near those people. And the ones that are, they're taking care of them. They're making them go home for two weeks and doing everything they're supposed to do. But stop worrying about it. Stay home. Get God's peace. And just move on. Because either way, no matter what happens, we win. If I die today or if I die 50 years from now, I win. So why wouldn't I have God's peace? Amen? Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. There's another scripture. Come to me, you are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take your yoke upon you, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God wants to give you peace today. Supernatural peace. Only through Jesus is peace available. Only through Jesus. Coming here alone didn't give me peace. Because if that did, we wouldn't have to have Omicombers group. We wouldn't have to have counseling with the pastors. Pastor Bill and Pastor Rick, they're doing it all the time. And that's okay. That's what, they, that's what God's called them to do. But coming here and, and, and receiving the Word of God and applying it to our lives during the week and going to the altar and giving these things to God, nailing all our worries to the cross like the Word tells us to do, that's where you get God's peace. It's supernatural. I can't explain it. I can't make it happen. It's supernatural. I'm not God. I can't do supernatural things. But God can do supernatural things through me and through you if the Spirit of God lives in you. You don't have to be sitting here. You could be sitting at home. And you have the Spirit of God living in you. And God's given you the power to do supernatural things through Christ. Not through your own name, through the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you a little story about myself, some details of my past that I've never shared, and some I have, but it's relevant to the story today. Like I said, I had no peace in the church. At 15, I got my girlfriend pregnant. 15 years old, I made her get an abortion. It didn't go away after that. That spirit haunted me until I received God's peace 40 years later, 30 years, whatever it was. 
It haunted me. I remember preaching about the vines. That vine was growing up around me and sucking me down dry. I murdered somebody. But you know, someday I was sharing the first service. I'm going to go to heaven and some little kid's going to run up to me and say, Hi, Daddy. Hi, Daddy. God's given me peace. I thought after working for my family's business for years that I was going to inherit the business. But with my past and my drug problem, my father had to sell it. I had no peace in that. My mom passed when I was 20 years old. Man, that sent me off to the moon. I had no peace at all. My parents divorced when I was 15. That really wrecked me. I loved my mom and my dad so much. I didn't want to get torn between the two of them and have to judge one from the other. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to take sides. I loved both of them equally. They both had their pros. They both had their cons, just like I do, just like you do. They both had their good and their bad, and I didn't want to judge them. But you know what? I was so full of anger. That's just what I did. I judged I didn't have peace of God in me. That's why I did that. I became angry with everybody, including myself, including God, everybody. Blaming all the, everyone else for my hurts and pains. Not only was I angry, but I became a full-blown drug addict looking for that peace. And it's not there, trust me. Trust me. You know, I was so bad that I ended up in this place called Bridgewater. And they got like three or four prisons in there. They got a psych hospital in there. But I was in the men's state rehab in Bridgewater State Prison. And you don't even have any charges against you. That's where the state sends you for state rehab. I was in court. I did have charges, but I said I'd want to go to get help. And they sent me to the men's rehab in Bridgewater. I said, thank you very much. And they all looked at me like I was nuts. And I found that out when I got there. Okay? I won't tell you what they did to me physically when I walked in the door because there's kids here. Okay? But, you know, I remember laying in a room like this. With about 100 beds in it. And at night, they turned the lights on, and the walls were moving, and the ceilings were moving, and the floors were moving, and there was millions upon millions upon millions of cockroaches this big, climbing all over the walls, the beds, me, the lockers, in and out of the lockers, for 30 days. You couldn't get out if you wanted to. You were in prison. You weren't in the rehab. You had prison guards that would come in and beat you if you cried out. Then they had internal perimeter security. They called them Ips. They wore the black uniforms with the baseball hats. And if they came in, they marched. And they would stand outside the door, marching, marching, marching. You knew they were coming. And you stood in attention. If you even twitched, you'd get hit in the head with a billy club. That was rehab. 
That's where drugs took me. I needed a supernatural miracle. I went back there 30 days later. That's how bad I was. And once you're in there, you can't get out. You ain't getting out. People crying out for their parents and crying out for their mom and dad and their wife and getting beat up for doing it. The place was built in the early 1700s. It was horrible. Horrible. I didn't have peace. I went to another place in Mattapan for 30 days and we ate bologna that was green and we drank milk that had cheese in it every day. That was our meal. If you didn't drink it you, you, or eat it, you starved. State. Then I went up to New Hampshire to Beach Hill Hospital. It was $30,000 for 30 days. My union paid for it. They're all wearing the fancy hats and everything. You want an omelet, Mr. Zanke? You want this? Oh, this place is great. This place will change me. New York City cops, Secret Service from the White House were there, state police from Massachusetts. Oh, this is the place. Didn't do a thing. I went back there 30 days later, too. Man can't do what God can do. Period. I needed God's peace. I didn't find it in any of them places. Any of them places. You might say to yourself, Wayne, why didn't any of them places work? They can't do what Jesus can. I needed a supernatural miracle in my life. Some of you might need that today. Just with the stress or whatever you're going through, with an operation or pain or cancer or the bills, or this virus. Someone in your family might have it. Or some people are stressed out over the election. God's going to put in who he wants there. We need to vote, but God's going to put in who he wants there. It says all the authorities exist are there by God. Period. Whether we like them or hate them, God's putting in who we deserve to be put in based on the way we run this country. You know, I had a psychologist tell me downtown Haverhill, after I started sharing my story, I can't help you, you have to leave. You got to leave. So what are you talking about? He goes, everything you're telling me, I can't help you. Talk about losing all hope. I was at that point, I had no hope left. Today I'm incredibly grateful that I have God's peace. His supernatural peace that I can only get from Jesus Christ and no one else. I remember walking out of an um, acupuncture place and they left about 20 needles in me. I was pulling them out of my legs, my ears and everything. Guaranteed me to help me get my anxiety, my drug addiction, everything. Guaranteed. That night I was sitting in a crack house two hours later. I need a supernatural miracle. Some of you need that today for just maybe something you're going through. It might be just trying to get in another apartment, like somebody here I know needs. They need a miracle. How did I get this peace? After coming here long enough, I started looking at some of the things Jesus did. Supernatural things. I needed to read about supernatural things in the Bible because I needed the supernatural healing. I didn't need all the warm and fuzzies. I didn't need the wisdom of Solomon at that time. I needed a supernatural miracle in my life. So I started looking at the supernatural things that Jesus did. 
Not having God's peace was my problem. That's the heart of my message. Peace that comes supernaturally. There may be one or more of you sitting here right now that need God's peace. Or somebody at home that needs God's peace. It's available to you today. It's available to you every single day. Peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. John 14, 27, I read it before, read it again. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when you go out there. Don't be stupid. Wear your mask, do what you're supposed to do, but don't be afraid. Jesus said it himself. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I got this cancer that you might have at home. I got this. Pray. Pray. Do prayers always get answered? No. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But I know that I'm supposed to pray. And I'll share later with some of them that I know were prayed and the supernatural miracles God did. I prayed for miracles because I needed a miracle. I started searching in the Bible for miracles because that's what I needed. If you're struggling with anxiety, look in the Bible. It talks about anxiety in Philippians 4, 7. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. You know, if you're struggling with love, 1 Corinthians 13. I was struggling with a miracle. I needed a miracle. So I looked it up, and there's thousands of them in the Bible if you look them up. Everywhere. The first thing I had to do, though, I was looking for a supernatural miracle, was to take God out of the box. Take him out of the box. God don't live in a box. You know, I can open this up and take out this nice little cross, and I can pray to the cross, and nothing's going to happen. Or I can pull God out when I need him, and then put him back in. I'll set. Thank you very much. I'll call you back when I need you next week or next month. Or next year. God don't live in a box. You're not going to get a supernatural answer to prayer if you've got God living in a box. He doesn't live in a box. Amen. He doesn't live in this building. I'm sorry, but he doesn't. He doesn't live in the churches with the big fancy stained glass windows and the statues and the million candles. He doesn't live there. He lives here. This is where he lives. I always thought he lived in a building. That's the way I grew up. God lives in the church. When you go in there, be quiet because God's here. Well, God's here all the time. Amen? And if the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago lives inside you, Stop doubting that he can do a supernatural miracle in your life. There are three things I had to come to realize. Three things. If you want to write any of these down. I had problems that man could not fix. Only God could. 
We could change that to, we have problems that man can't fix, right? Make it personal. Or make it personal and put, I, speak for yourself, have problems that man can't fix. Only God can. So many people have come up to me in the past trying to get me to fix their problems in the church. I'm not God. I'll pray with you. I'll lead you to him. I'll show you how to say the prayers. But God's the one who can do it. So I started reading God's word on miracles and trusted in those miracles that they were for me too. That took a long time for me to trust that God would do it for me. The first miracle Jesus did was he turned water into wine. I didn't need to read that because I was an alcoholic. <laughs> I did not need to read. But, you know, that was the first miracle, so I wanted to bring it up. Jesus can do anything. Anything. Matthew 12, 9 to 14 says, Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. They're talking about Jesus. And a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, Is it lawful for you to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and falls into a pit on the Sabbath, won't you take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. The man said, Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. It was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill him. Wow, Jesus did that? Yes, he did that. That's not just a story to get you to believe. This is history. This is fact. Jesus stretched out that man's hand, and it was just as perfect as the other hand, and he had two perfectly good hands, even though his hand was shriveled up. How did he do it? Supernaturally. He spoke the universe into existence. He just spoke it. Why can't he unshrivel a hand? That's nothing for him. Nothing. Well, what about me, I started saying. That was about somebody in the Bible 2,000 years ago. That person must have been very important because they're in the Bible. Not really. Because if Jesus was here today and he did miracles here right now and the Bible was written, some of your names would be in the Bible. It's just ordinary people like you and me and people at home. Why'd the Pharisees want to kill him? That's one other thing on this. I just wanted to throw that in there. Because people attack what they don't understand. I can talk to people at work about some of the miracles God's done in my life, and they, and they shortchange it, and they come up with some other excuse. You know? Oh, that's not what happened. This is what really happened. No, what happened is I had a supernatural miracle done in my life. And the Pharisees didn't want to believe it either. They don't understand it, so they tried to kill him. Isn't that what people do? They attack you because they don't understand? Matthew 9 talks about how Jesus healed a paralytic. Luke 7 says he raised a widow, son, from the dead. Wow, he raised somebody from the dead? He can do that? Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. Rose himself, didn't he? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I was starting to get a little hope when I was reading these things. Because I didn't need to be raised from the dead physically. 
I needed it spiritually. And that, to me, that wasn't as big of a miracle for Jesus to do that as he would to physically raise me from the dead. But to Jesus, either one of them's nothing. It's no big deal. All he has to do is say it, and it happens. That's all he has to do is say it. Be healed, and it's done. He calmed a storm in Matthew 8. A storm, I guess, that was so bad even the fishermen were scared. And storms usually don't scare fishermen. He can control the weather? You better believe it. I remember being in Teen Challenge, and we would only watch the news, is all they allowed us to watch. And it was a Category 5 heading right to Jamaica City. They said there was a million people there, no way to evacuate them. We were watching the news at night down in Brockton, Teen Challenge. And they showed the, the island like this, and the hurricane was like this, and it was heading right for the smack dab for the center of Jamaica. This Jamaica City, I think they call it. A million people, nowhere to go. So we prayed that night. We prayed and prayed that the storm would go around the island. Next morning we get up, forgot all about it, to be honest with you, and the news came on. I'm like, oh, the, the hurricane. The hurricane went up around the island and went like that, never touched the island. God's given you the power to do that. You're not going to get those results unless you pray supernatural prayers. Take them out of the box. Take them out. Keep them out. Throw the box away. Burn it. He healed a man with leprosy. He healed this drug addict. Amen? He drove out an evil spirit. He healed a blind man. He fed 5,000 with a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread. He walked on water. What? He walked on water. He made the water. Why can't he walk on it? It's all under his control. He's above and beyond the um, physics of the world, the laws of gravity. They don't apply to him. And someday they'll know it won't apply to us. Because we'll be like him. He healed a man that was born blind. He healed a man that was blind, mute, and demon-possessed at the same time. He healed ten lepers. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He ascended into heaven in front of many witnesses. Just off he went. Gee, that's not too bad for me. All I needed for him to do was take away my hurts and my pains, my anxieties, my fears about this virus, about my job, about my housing, about the next test I'm going to get. Friday I went in, I had him remove um, precancerous cells from the top of my head. Two months ago I went in, they removed cancer from my head. A couple years ago I had melanoma removed. I had my heart Restarted a few times. I had I had it um, reprogrammed so that it's ticking right now. I've had my gallbladder removed. But Friday when I went in, they put this light on my head that went from this shoulder to this shoulder, and it burned all the precancerous cells off my head. It felt like someone was putting out a hundred cigarette butts on the top of my head. But I got peace today. It is what it is. I got peace. I can't explain it. I got peace. It's supernatural. I'm not worried about it. If today's my last day, I know where I'm going. I got peace. Amen. You guys will take care of my wife. 
but today's not my last day. <laughs> Let his will be done, not mine. If Jesus can do these miracles for them, why can't he do them for me and for you? Because he can, and he wants to, and he loves you, and he will. All these people in the Bible are no different from you and I. So, this is all the things Jesus did. Okay. But what I had to do was number two. I'm sorry, I won't say it that way. <laughs> I had to, number two is I had to give them to God and trust in Him to help me. Don't get me laughing. <laughs> I had to give all my things to God and trust Him to help me. Jesus had to give them to God on the cross. He wants you to give them to Him so, and trust in Him to help you. It's one thing to read about the miracles 2,000 years ago. But can he help us now? You better believe it. Jesus ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for you and for me and answering our prayers supernaturally. Sometimes he sends angels down to do it. Sometimes he just does it. I don't know. I'm not him. I'm not there. But he does it. It's supernatural. It says we don't really know, so I'm not going to try to explain it because I'd be lying to you, but it happens. It's supernatural. Trust in him. His days never end. He's alive today. His mercy never ends. His miracles never end. You know, I got to the point where I had to give him to God and trust in him and not man to help me like blind Bartimaeus. In Mark 10, 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the outside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. The blind man said, Rabbi, teacher, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus didn't want to hear what man had to say. Leave him alone. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he's not going to do well, Get away from him. He's busy. He's important. No, he's not. He wants to hear what you have to say. Don't listen to man tell you not to do this and not to do that if it involves God. If it involves God, do it. If it lines up with his word, do it. Stop trusting in man to tell you to go the other way. When God's telling you to come to him, call on me. I'm the one who can do the supernatural miracle. I'm the one who can heal you. We need to have that same attitude. I need a miracle in my life, Lord. A supernatural miracle. I need to be saved. That's supernatural. I need this tumor gone. I even got a tumor in my head. I got peace. Thank God it hasn't grown in two years. Amen? 
If it does, it does. I got a new knee. This knee's gone. I can barely walk up a flight of stairs. I can't pick up Pastor Bill anymore on Easter. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> we need to cry out to Jesus and not listen to others tell us what to do. We need to listen to those who tell us to cry out to Jesus. We need to get their guidance. You know, Moses trusted in God when he took his staff and struck a rock and water came flowing out. And that fed millions of people. It wasn't just a little faucet like in your house. It was a river. It was a big stream. It fed millions of Jews. Recently, they found a rock on top of Mount Sinai or near Mount Sinai that had been split open and is evidence to the way it was smoothed out that there was a river flowing out of this rock, which is physically impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. If he wants water to flow out of a rock, he's going to do it. He turned the river into blood. He raised his son from the dead. Why can't he make water flow out of a rock? He made the rock. He made the water. Who are we to question God? Nothing is impossible with God. Anyone know what Philippians 4.13 says? Can't hear you. I can do what? Some things? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Say it like you mean it. Moses trusted God to help him in a supernatural way, and God came through. And we're no different from Moses. His name's just written in the Bible. Your name's written in the book of life. So what's the difference? Right next to Moses, it says Mike, M. <laughs> you know, our name's written in the book of life. We can still do it. He laid a pot in the Red Sea. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. They trusted in God. See, these aren't miracles Jesus did. These are miracles man did before Jesus when they trusted in God. So don't think that it, it was just during Jesus' time that these miracles happened. Joshua 10 talks about on the day the Lord gave to the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood, stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it's written in the book of Jasa. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down for a full day. That happened. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Imagine that. Elijah called down fire from heaven and it burned the offering. Lightning came down, sucked up all the water. It should never have been burned. There was so much water on it. An axe head floated on water. Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I've heard your prayer. He's not going to hear you unless you pray. 
I've heard your prayer concerning the king of Assyria. That night the angel of the Lord went out, because they were going to fight in a battle. The angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 of the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were all dead. Supernatural miracle. Those guys didn't have to raise a sword. God took care of it. You know, that happened recently in Israel in the early 60s when they were attacking Israel. They weren't supposed to win. I forget who was attacking them. And Israel destroyed the other country, one of them countries over there. How about Daniel in the lion's den? These aren't fake stories. The lions laid down and went to sleep. And they're hungry. They make sure they're hungry when they throw you in there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around in a fire. And who were they walking with? Jesus. And that was hundreds of years before Jesus even came here. He was here all along. They all prayed and God delivered them supernaturally. My God will deliver me from this. But you know what? If he doesn't, I'm not going to serve you anyway. I'm going to serve him regardless of what happens. If this brain tumor grows, I'm going to serve him. If I don't get my housing, I'm still going to serve him. If the job fires me tomorrow, I'm still going to serve him. No matter what happens. Because Jesus is going to be standing right there with me in the midst of the fire. Take God out of the box. The last thing I needed to do, I needed to learn how to pray supernaturally. All these prayers and these supernatural miracles Jesus did. I saw all the people before Jesus came and all the miracles that were done. And some people to say, today say, well, after Jesus left, all those miracles stopped. Well, okay, so I had to take a look at that. Let's take a look at that. Matthew 16, 17, and 18. These are the words of Jesus himself. All these signs will accompany those who believe. Who's he talking about? Us. In my name, not Wayne, in the name of Jesus, they'll drive out demons. I've seen that done. I know, Pastor, you have. You know, Bill, you have. Bill Spertione has. and Other people have. We've seen it. They'll speak in new tongues. We saw that this morning. And interpretation. And Jesus is gone, but he's still here. The miracles haven't stopped, is my point. They'll pick up deadly snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it won't hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on sick people. They get well. We've seen that happen here many times. Sometimes the prayers don't get answered. I'm not God. But he says to do it and trust in him. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle here. I know there's one person here, and I can't remember who it was, but I think it was from this church, that God told them they were going to have a new heart. And they had, because they had, um, the, so they thought physically, spiritually, a new heart. And they've had many heart attacks. So the heart attacks show up on the x-ray. Even 20 years later, the, the scars are there. And they went to a doctor for the annual physical to the cardiologist. And the cardiologist said, what's going on? He said, what do you mean? You have a new heart. 
He said, what do you mean I got a new heart? You have no more scars on your heart. What happened? I think it was somebody in this church that that happened to. But anyway, supernatural. Trusting God. They'll drink deadly poison. It won't hurt them at all. I remember down at Potter's Wheel, Miss um, Sharon, she ran the office down there, and uh, she was highly allergic to pork. And I had just got there the first time I was there. I was there two days. I was in the office signing the paperwork. And the guy in the next office said, boy, that pork sandwich was really good. And she said, what did you say? She said, that pork sandwich was really good. And she says, I'm highly allergic to pork. So they called the chow hall right away and said, did you give Miss Sandra pork? And they said, oh, my God, yes, we did. She said, I just ate the whole sandwich. I'll be dead in five minutes. Call an ambulance. And I'm sitting there, and I, I knew this part. I knew it, but I hadn't got God's peace yet. So I, I said, can I say something? I know I'm new here. She can say whatever you want. I said, did you pray over your food? Yep. I said, God's word says you'll be able to drink deadly poison. It won't hurt you. You weren't trying to prove anything. You did it by accident. You weren't saying, watch this. Don't ever do that. Nothing happened to her. Nothing happened to her. Nothing. <laughs> So that's true today. The enemy wants to crush you. He wants to pound you. He wants to destroy you. He's a lot bigger than you. Look at the size of the arms. But we get the power of Christ. See that fire in the middle, man? That's Jesus Christ stopping the enemy from whatever he's trying to do to you. No matter what it is. The anxieties, the fears. Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't go over here. Oh, you can't go here. The world's going to end tomorrow. Oh, this is going to blow up. Oh, don't do this. Oh, this president, this president, this one. Don't worry about it. Have God's peace. He wants to give you peace. Let's take a look at a few things that happened after Jesus. Peter healed a lame man. In Acts 5, many people were healed just by Peter's shadow touching them. Remember that story. Philip casted out an evil spirit in Acts chapter 8. Paul's sight was restored. Dorcas was restored to life when Paul basically jumped on her and restored her to life. She, uh, is that the one that fell out the window? Dorcas? Yeah. And Paul brought her back to life. Paul was unharmed by being bitten by a deadly viper. Deadly snakes won't bother you. See that? He was, he didn't, again, he didn't say, watch this. It was an accident. A lame man was cured by Paul. What did Peter do? Walked on water. Imagine that. Oh, I'd love to be able to walk across the ocean. Someday we will. Someday we'll be able to do that. Peter walked on water. So these things happened after Jesus left. So don't let anyone tell you that, oh, when Jesus left, these things stopped. No, they didn't. God's word's eternal. It's good yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The whole earth, the whole universe will disappear, but God's word will stand forever. Amen? So if God can do all these things, through those people in the Bible, why can't he do them through us? Supernatural miracles. You're looking at one. I should be dead or rotting away in a prison. 
I did enough drugs to kill 20 horses. And how I'm standing here without being in a wheelchair, blowing in a straw to get the wheelchair to move is a miracle. A miracle. Two years ago, I went to a, a, a brain, I belonged to a heart study and they were doing brain studies. I volunteer and they did a brain study, an MRI, and the doctor called me up that night at Joanna's brother's house two years ago. And he asked me about 400 questions to prove who I was because I'm just a statistic. And I said, this is serious. He says, do you work with metal? Yep. He says, you got metal in your brain. I said, what? You got metal in your brain. So I went to a prayer meeting with the pastors. Pastors prayed for me. I went to do two more MRIs. They confirmed there was metal in the brain. I said, God's going to remove it any way he wants, supernaturally. So I was driving home from the MRI, and I thought I had wax in my ear. I stuck my finger in the ear and pulled out the piece of metal. And they said, it won't come out. You have to have an operation. And it came out. Okay? Give your troubles and your hurts and your pains to God. I'm not angry with God anymore. I'm not angry at the world anymore. Today I'm free from the thought of that abortion that happened when I was 15 years old. I'm free from the, my parents being divorced doesn't haunt me anymore. I got a, a new mom. I got a stepmom. Millie, if you're watching, I love you very much. You know, I got a great relationship with both of them that wasn't that great years ago. And I thank God for it because I have peace with God today. I'm not hurt anymore from my mom's death because someday I'm going to see her again and be with her for eternity. All this is through trusting in a supernatural miracle in my life and in my heart, which he's done. I'm ever so grateful. I have peace today, peace in the midst of all my medical issues, peace in the midst of this coronavirus, peace in the midst of this presidential election. God's word says he put in the office who he sees fit. I'm going to leave you with this. Trust in God for a supernatural miracle in your life today. He's not stopped doing miracles. I'm living proof of that, and so are you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to call up Pastor Rick at this time. Thank you for listening. May the Lord richly bless you with a supernatural miracle today. God bless you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand together? Can we do that? I, I think Wayne's, uh, Wayne's words this morning was, uh, was a testimony. It was a faith-building message. Uh, all the things that he shared were, of course, from the Bible. But I wonder if, if there's some people here today that need a miracle in your life. I, I need a few in my life. I, I can attest to that. But I want, we want to encourage you. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Let your faith rise up, you know, to meet the challenges that, you, that you're dealing with. So every head bowed for just a moment. The first and, and foremost thing we can trust the Lord with is our salvation. And I just want to raise the question, if you're here, if you're at home at the, uh, at, with the live stream, uh, have you come to a place in your life? And you may be around the church, you may be, uh, you know, maybe involved in the church, but in some areas of your life, you haven't yet yielded everything over to the Lord. So I want to ask you, is there, is there anyone here that feels like I, I need to surrender everything to the Lord today? I want to give everything over to Raise your hand. Let the Lord see it. The, the, the Lord is looking for someone that will say yes. All right. Thank you for that. 
I wonder if there's some that are at a place where you recognize, like Wayne was saying, your ways are not going to work. You know, the way you're going about it is not going to make it happen. You're ready to surrender whatever that is to the Lord. Anyone like that? Certain areas you want to surrender it over to the Lord today. Amen. Amen. And I wonder if there's others that are here today that, that feel like, you know what? I have a, a particular situation. Only God knows what it is. And I, I've been waiting and hoping and trusting for a long time. And I'm getting discouraged. I need someone to come along and pray with me and believe with me that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. Can anyone relate to that? We're going to just pray a general prayer for that. Okay, let's go to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we bow our hearts before you. And Lord, first of all, we, come to, we have come to this place in our lives where we recognize we need a Savior. We pray, Lord, that you would forgive us our sins we believe in Jesus. We receive Jesus into our lives as our personal Lord and Savior. For some, we renew that commitment right now. For others, it's the first time. We ask you, Lord, save my soul. <clears throat> come into my life. Come into my heart and save me in the name and authority of Jesus. <clears throat> Lord, for others, we have certain things going on in our lives where we just want to continue to pray and hope and trust that you will hear and you will act on our behalf. We pray, Lord, that the word that we heard today would produce faith in our lives. And, Lord, for those, some of us here today, we have a particular issue or problem or situation, and we're a little discouraged, Lord. We pray that faith would arise, and, Lord, that you would meet those needs that are represented here in this place today. So, Lord, we give you our lives. We give you this fellowship. We give you our families. We pray for a sovereign move of your spirit upon us. And, Lord, that we would have a testimony to share as well, just like we read about in the Bible, just like we read about in other or we hear about from other people's lives. Lord, every one of us here wants to have a testimony. Let us, let us respond and let us be sensitive to what you're doing at this particular time in our lives. And we thank you for it, oh, God. Father, as we close out this service, we pray your blessing over everyone here, everyone watching by live stream. We pray, Lord, that when we walk out the doors, we'll look for opportunities to share our faith with somebody. And we'll also have our spiritual antenna up to, to be aware of what you're doing in our lives. So may your blessing be upon us. We thank you for this. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Say one more thing.